Hey everybody, welcome to episode 35 of Junior Golf Keys. I'm your host, Matt, and this week I'm joined by my cousin, William Mason, and his wife, Emily. Uh, William is currently building his career in the financial industry, but he's got a lot of really good golf experience. He grew up playing his junior golf in Atlanta. He qualified for the Georgia State Amateur four straight years from 2007 to 2010. He also secured uh, low junior at the Georgia State Amateur. He won the Heath Slocum Invitational with rounds of 67-66. He also led his high school team to a regional championship and finished with all region honors himself as an individual. After high school, William went on to play uh, his freshman year at Mercer University, where he was named to the Atlantic Sun All-Freshman Team. He led the team in tournaments played, rounds played, and scoring average in his freshman year. And after his freshman year at Mercer, William had an opportunity to transfer to the University of Arkansas, where he finished up his academic and college golf career there. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about you know, his experience in that transfer and what all went into that decision uh, and what he gained out of that opportunity at the University of Arkansas. Emily also grew up playing her junior golf in Georgia. Uh, she played in the U.S. Girls Junior, U.S. Women's Am, USGA Women's State Team Championship, and played on the Cannon Cup team, uh, which is now known as the Wyndham Cup for all you junior golf uh, fans, parents, and players that are out there. Um, after her junior golf career, Emily went on to play her college golf at the University of Georgia. She was a four-time All-American at the University of Georgia. She was a four-time All-SEC selection, racked up three college wins while she was at Georgia. Um, She then went on to play professionally for a year. She thought that was something that she wanted to do. She's going to talk a little bit about that experience. Um, Ultimately, it wasn't what she wanted to chase, uh, so she hung up that uh, professional career after a year. Um, Then she got into college coaching. She went back to the University of Georgia in 2016 as a volunteer coach uh, where she worked with Josh Brewer, which you guys have listened to. We've had him on the show, the women's coach at the University of Georgia. Um, After coaching at the University of Georgia, Emily had an opportunity to go to Vanderbilt University, which is where she is now. Uh, She is the associate head coach at Vanderbilt University in her third season and in 2018-19 was named NCAA's D1 Assistant Coach of the Year. So I had a really good chat with these guys. It was fun to uh, have two people on the line at the same time. Uh, they did a really good job of kind of you know passing some questions back and forth to each other and uh, jumping in and sharing their experience and expertise. Um, you know, we talk about their introductions to golf and what their journeys have looked like. Uh, we touch on you know golf and business with William and and myself. Um, we talk a little bit about, like I mentioned earlier, William and his transfer from Mercer to Arkansas. Uh, we talked about the recruiting process. Um, both you know both of them went through a recruiting process as young players before they made their uh, selections for college. And then we also talk a little bit about recruiting from a coaching perspective with Emily and her role at Vanderbilt. 
Um, they've got some great advice for young players, for parents. Uh, we talk a little bit about some you know, good golf memories. We touch on rankings. We touch on being a multi-sport athlete. Um, just an overall a really good conversation and really appreciate them for their time and you know jumping on here to share some advice and their journeys and their stories with you guys so that hopefully it helps you in your journey as you move along through your junior golf career whether you're a player or a parent um, you know of a junior golfer so I want to take a minute and thank you guys I really appreciate you as the audience I appreciate you tuning in week after week um, you know, our podcast continues to grow and it wouldn't grow without the great listeners that we've got, without you guys sharing it, without you telling other people about it, um, you know, commenting on different posts, sending me emails, giving me good ideas for, you know, things to continue to evolve the podcast, different topics and those types of things. So I really appreciate you guys. And I encourage you as I always do to reach out, to connect with me. You can email me at juniorgolfkeys at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and on Instagram with the handle Junior Golf Keys. Um, trying to put out some different information there, uh, sharing some different stuff on those platforms to hopefully help you guys and you know add some more information on top of this podcast uh, that you guys can follow in your journeys that's going to help you along the way. So um, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Um, you guys sit tight. I'll be right back with our guests this week, William and Emily Mason. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys. Uh, really excited this week. It's a unique episode. It's a, a first for me in having two guests. And um, also, the relationship with the guests is a close one. So uh, it's an opportunity for me to um, actually learn a little bit more myself about uh, these two individuals and their stories and, you know, kind of, you know, how golf has played a role in their life and hopefully bring some value to you guys. So on the line today, I've got uh, my cousin, William Mason, and his wife, Emily uh, Mason. Emily is the assist or associate head coach at Vanderbilt uh, University in her third season. And William uh, works for Goldman Sachs in the specialty lending uh, area, but he played his college golf at the University of Arkansas. So two SEC golfers on the line. How's it going, guys? Good. Great. Thanks for having us. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's a fun opportunity. Um, you know, like we were kind of chatting about, you guys both have, uh, you know, some really high playing experience, um, some different playing experience and uh, different experience in the game of golf. So I think it's a unique opportunity to, you know, bring some value to this audience of uh, junior golfers and their parents and even some coaches that are listening where they can hopefully learn a little bit from your guys' stories. So, um I don't know who wants to get started or how you guys want to do this. Uh, I know you're both together, but um, can each of you kind of just talk to us a little bit about your introduction to the game of golf and then kind of what your journey in the game has been? I'll let Emily go first because she was <laughs> 10 times more successful than I was. That's <laughs> not true. Okay. So not true. But yeah, so I guess I'll go first. Um, so I grew up a multi-sport athlete. I um, actually didn't get involved with golf until uh, I'm guessing like around 12 or so. I was playing softball and I had um, rolled my ankle, ended up fracturing a bone in my foot. And uh, at that time I was um, – my dad 
love to go out and play and, you know, practice like most dads do. And me being the daddy's girl that I was, I just go out and that mostly because mom wanted me to get out of the house. <laughs> so <laughs> I'd go out and uh, I'd chip and putt with him. And so kind of during that rehab time, I, I kind of got hooked on it. So I started out um, playing like local things like Atlanta Junior Golf. Um, there's another one now, Southeastern Junior Golf. Um, eventually graduated to the AJGA and that's kind of how I got recognized and um, by Georgia and a couple other schools and obviously Georgia ended up being my choice. Um, had a pretty good playing career there and enjoyed my time, got a wonderful education and um, played professionally for a year and realized quickly that it was not for me, I should say. Um, totally got out of the business and uh, started working in finance and quickly realized there that that wasn't for me either. Um, and, you know, I just felt like uh, God had placed golf in my life for a certain reason. And um, this job came open at Vanderbilt and Greg Allen, the head coach, had offered me the job. And um, obviously now I'm in my third year and I've loved it ever since. It's been awesome. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, my sh short and simple golf story. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, your guys' season was cut short this year with everything that, you know, is going on with this COVID-19, but um, you've had a good three years there so far. Uh, last year, recognized as the NCAA Division One Assistant Coach of the Year. Uh, and, uh, you know, been promoted since you've been there also, obviously done some good things for that team. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. I, you know, I always like to say the girls make me look good. Um, <laughs> they really do. They, you know, they come out every day wanting to work and wanting to get better. And, you know, that's who um, Greg and I try to recruit as kids that are very self-motivated and that want to come out and work. And um, like I said, they, they make me look good. So, um, you know, with all our success that we had last year, I guess once we started, our team was ranked or before I got here, I guess that we were ranked like 60th in golf week. And at one point last year, we were ranked number one in the country. Um, and I think we finished top 10, uh, I want to say at the end of the year. So yeah, I mean, like yeah. the kids hard work and then going to class every day and being motivated to come out and practice and win. And um, obviously that kind of led to the um, assistant golf coach of the year award. And like I said, they continue to make me look good. So yeah, <laughs> well, I, I, do, I know you're definitely playing your part um, to to contribute to that. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, I definitely want to dive in a little bit more to kind of your experience and a couple of things that you mentioned. But before we go down that road, Wayne, tell us a little bit about uh, kind of what your past been. Yeah, so I, you know, I think similarly, like focused on multiple sports, you know, basketball, baseball, you know, I, I was always around <laughs> golf, you know. Matt, as you know, like our, our family, especially my mom's side of the family, your dad's side of the family, you know, right. very big golfers. And so, you know, great experience just growing up with that and, you know, having uh, family members, your dad, you know, playing at Ole Miss and our Uncle Tom playing at Marshall and being a really good player. Um, and then just that whole side of the family um, being around golf and, you know, our grandparents owning a golf course, like it was just obviously kind of meant to be. Um, and so golf was always in my life and, you know, was fortunate enough to have access to the facilities and everything. And, 
um, you know, at the age of, I guess, 12 or 13, um, you know, was kind of juggling baseball and golf and decided, you know, when I was basically like on the baseball field and the only thing I could think about was like when I would get to go to the golf course, I think I realized that <laughs> that was probably the, the path for me. And so, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I would always encourage people to, you know, focus on multiple sports and not be, you know, completely devoted to one sport. But, you know, in that case, I got to the point where, you know, I just loved it that much and wanted to pursue it. You know, it wasn't like, um, you know, with the sole ambition of going to college on a golf scholarship, it was just, that's legitimately what I cared about and wanted to do. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, um, ended up getting recruited to, um, go play at Mercer university for uh, my freshman year. And, you know, I had a great experience. Um, you know, we played some really, really good tournaments, hosted two really good tournaments that, you know, attracted some of the best fields, um, in college golf. And so, you know, got exposure to a lot of the best programs and coaches and, you know, had a really good year and kind of had the, the opportunity to, you know, move on to something bigger and better. And, um, you know, just by chance, the university of Arkansas had had a player that, um, had transferred over the summer and, you know, I, my coach at Arkansas had basically gotten word of that like three days before I called him asking, you know, if he had any room on the team. And so it was just, you know, definitely, a um, the right time or, you know, right time to, to call him up. And, um, so went and went toward the campus and just absolutely loved it. And so ended up, um, going to Arkansas, spent, four years there. So I registered in my first year. Um, and so went five years total and, you know, just had a great experience. I, you know, Emily was a four-time All-American. I was just fighting to, to be on the traveling squad, but I, uh, <laughs> you so but, <laughs> you know, I, I think that in itself was a great experience just because, you know, it forced me to prioritize or, you know, realize, what I was there to do, which was, you know, to get an education on top of it. And so, you know, yeah. with having, um, you know, an extra year, I decided to, um, you know, double major. So I, I majored in finance and accounting and kind of made the most out of that fifth year um, instead of, you know, kind of taking the opportunity to, to have a kind of joy ride at the, the end of my career. And so, you know, looking back, obviously that was a great decision. Um, so all in all, you know, that was kind of the, the story in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, I mean, you took that academic piece pretty seriously, too. I mean, you were you had some high academic standards, um, you know, SEC academic honor roll um, directors. I think you made the athletic department uh, the director's list mm -hmm. for your GPA. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously you excelled in that. It sounds like you, you know, prioritized what was important to you, um, and, you know, and were able to to do well in, in those areas and, and play college golf along the way. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, yeah. I think that it's something that, um, you know, playing a sport and, you know, people always say it, you know, that um, it, it kind of forces you to really, you know, prioritize everything and, you know, really manage your time. And there's no doubt that it does. And I think, you know, there's a lot of employers that, um, 
you know, look at that and, you know, like to recruit former athletes for that reason, because I think it shows a lot to, you know, be able to achieve what you have academically, not taking anything away from, you know, students who, you know, don't play a sport, obviously, um, you know, there's plenty of ways to, to excel and kind of differentiate yourself there. Um, but I think, you know, if you are able to play a sport at a high level and do well academically, I think that says a lot about you and your work ethic. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know, a lot of the listeners on this podcast, um, you know, have the aspirations of playing collegiately. Um, you know, I think that probably like most of us that grow up playing, you know, the next step is, sorry, I want to make the high school team. I want to make a college team you know, have aspirations of maybe playing professionally. Um, but we all know, you know, the, those numbers, the further and further you climb up that chain, uh, you know, the harder it is to find yourself in that top 1%, right, that makes it. So I think it's a good thing to talk about, you know, because it kind of gives, uh, you know, some of the student athletes and their parents that are listening to this uh, have a better understanding of what some different paths can be. Um, you know, not everybody is going to be a professional golfer. So, you know, golf can be used in a lot of different ways. I mean, you're in a financial um, position right now uh, in terms of your career. And, you know, I don't know how you use golf in that, but I know that when I spent some time in the financial industry, um, I played a lot of golf, you know, with different clients. Um, you know, my dad's had a big insurance career. He's played a lot of golf, um, you know, with clients outside just to talk business and, you know, build rapport and those types of things. Emily, obviously, you've found a opportunity to stay in golf um, from a career standpoint, uh, but on the coaching side. So there's a lot of opportunities to kind of pivot. Um, and I think it's, you know, something neat to talk about. So, um, can you kind of share, like, William, do you, what is your experience with golf right now as it relates to your career? Does it play a big role for you? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, people always said that, you know, golf will, um, you know, kind of be a lifelong thing and really help you in the business world. I mean, there's no doubt that it does. And people love to talk about golf. I mean, it always seems to come up and find a way into a discussion, but I unfortunately haven't really had the chance to play a lot of business golf yet but um i think that's something that's kind of changed a little bit i mean it used to be really the um you know how a lot of business was done i think you know just with like post-recession kind of the way spending changed with companies it's not as you know free-flowing in terms of you know do every deal on the golf course but um sure there's no doubt that like it comes up in in every conversation um but I guess like on your earlier point, you know, just about kind of, um, you know, people obviously facing different decisions at different points in their life and, um, you know, kind of weeding down um, the field, so to speak, into, um, you know, tighter bands of people like who, you know, makes the high school team, who gets recruited to play in college, and then obviously who goes beyond that and turns professional or succeeds professionally. I think that's something Emily and I talk about a lot and, you know, we've both seen it at every stage. Um, but I think, you know, one thing kind of to your listeners that I think is important is just to, I don't know, take a longer term or, you know, um, 
yeah, longer term view in terms of the decisions you're making. I think I've seen it personally at all stages, you know, people settling for, um, you know, maybe a lower tier school just to be able to play golf versus, you know, maybe going to a, a really good university and like trying to walk on or even not playing. It's like, you know, same thing with people in college that, you know, looking back or, you know, at the time, like, you know, other people around you could see that maybe that that person's not good enough to, to turn professional or, or make it. I mean, anybody can turn professional, but, um, you know, making long-term decisions, um, you know, just because they've worked at something for so long and put so much time and money and effort into it that they feel like they'd be wasting it if they didn't. Um, I think that's a common kind of misconception or people, you know, fall into that thinking. And, you know, I think probably, I think most people on average probably would, you know, if they made the right decision it made the appropriate decision at the time in terms of like, you know, academics or financially or whatever, um, you know, probably look back and don't regret those decisions versus, you know, on the flip side, I think a lot of people make decisions for golf or whatever sport it may be um, and may look back and regret that versus, you know, kind of look, taking a longer term view and like using golf to your advantage, but not necessarily making a decision because of golf. Yeah. So, I mean, not being so singularly focused on making the decision just around golf, but like you said, just more of a high level all encompassing, you know, decision on here's what I'm trying to accomplish in my life. And this is how golf plays a part in that. And these are how my decisions, you know, with school play a part in that. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think there's always a balance to be had between the two. I mean, obviously, sure. you know, college is, um, you know, the, the sole purpose is to um, get your education and in a degree. And obviously golf helps you, you know, succeed in that. I mean, you know, seeing, Obviously, the, the girls that like Emily recruits, you know, they have a, a great balance between academics and athletics. Um, and there's no mm-hmm. doubt that like golf plays a huge role in, in helping them to achieve those goals, you know, just through scholarships and getting the opportunity to get into the school um, that way. But, um, you know, I think it's important to kind of just think about both um, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um uh, what was your, like when you were going through your recruiting process and then you made that, uh, or the the opportunity came up to transfer to Arkansas, uh, what types of things were kind of going through your head, I guess, in terms of like you're at Mercer, you had a good freshman year there, right? I mean, Atlantic sun, all freshman team, you led the team in tournaments played rounds, scoring average. So like, you know, you're the top player at the school, uh, which obviously opened up another door for you, but what other things were you taking into account outside of golf itself when you were looking at the opportunity to transfer to Arkansas? Yeah, I think, um, you know, academics was definitely a big part. I mean, they had um, a great business school, which is what I knew I wanted to do. I didn't know, you know, what component of the business school I wanted to focus on, but, you know, I, I knew that um, it was a good, well-recognized school. And then I think, 
you know, just the um, kind of dynamics also, you know, I was initially a little bit um, hesitant just because of the size of the school and Mercer being a really small private school and then going to a big, you know, public university that scared me a little bit. Um, But, you know, after kind of seeing the school and the campus and everything, you know, just fell in love with it and like the, the town, I, I just thought it was a really well-balanced place, you know, with golf and like the facilities for the golf team were incredible. And then, you know, add on being in the SEC and like get, getting all the, you know, different experiences that go along with that, you know, SEC football and, um, you know, mm-hmm. going to a big school, good education. I, th- I think, you know, it, it definitely just checked all the boxes in terms of, um, yeah. you know, being very well-rounded. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Emily, can you talk a little bit about um, your recruiting process and ultimately what what landed you at the University of Georgia? Um, well, so I guess when I was kind of going through it, um, you know, I guess for every kid, it's everybody's dream school to go to a big school and um, – you know, obviously SEC football. I grew up. My father played football at South Carolina. My mom was a um, a Georgia dog, and I have one, two, well, three other family members in my family, not including my mom, that went to Georgia. So naturally, I kind of had that Georgia pull. Um, but I was recruited by Denver at the time. I had been recruited by Auburn, um, and. I knew I just wanted to kind of stay close to home and um, wanted that kind of big school feeling like Willie was talking about. Um, yeah. Obviously, Georgia's, <clears throat> excuse me, Georgia's got a really good academic program. Um, and I just felt like when I stepped up foot on campus and obviously meeting with um, Kelly Hester at the time, I just knew that that was, that was the school for me. And um, I, I guess kind of how I got started with all that was, you know, playing these junior tournaments, like I was saying, I started out playing Atlanta junior golf. And then once I kind of learned to win there, I went and started playing Southeastern junior golf and started playing well there and learning to win there. And obviously moving on to um, the American junior. Um, And again, people ask me all the time, is the AJGA the way that you have to go? No, it's not. Um, That was fortunately my parents, you know, we could afford to, um, play in a lot of those AJGAs and you know I'm, I'm very thankful for that but a lot of people cannot afford to do that but I would say playing and obviously um, like I played in a lot of the GSGA events and um, a lot of the USGA qualifiers that's another great way to get started too um, so I mean I whenever there was my parents tried to put me in it and um, fortunately Georgia was there to spot me and that's kind of how it all got started. Yeah. Did you play high school golf also? I did. Like for the team? Yeah. So I um, oh. I went to Mill Creek High School in just outside of Atlanta in Gwinnett County. Um, it was mm-hmm. kind of one of the bigger counties, I guess, in the state of Georgia when it came to the, the school systems, a really good school system, um, pretty competitive golf teams within the county. Um, so, yeah, I had played there, played all four years there, and um, – enjoyed that scene, that aspect as well, because, you know, you're learning to be a part of a team. Now you're not, you're not with each other all the time compared to like, you know, girls are here at 
Vanderbilt or any other school, like you're, I mean, when you're part of a college golf team, you're with each other a lot. And, um, you know, high school, it is like that, obviously in the spring or whenever your, your season is, um, but not to the extent, but it was obviously a good learning experience for me, just kind of giving me that taste of what a team, uh, golf is like. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, and William, you played obviously at uh, Alpharetta, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <clears throat> Where you guys, uh, I think your senior year, you guys won the regional championship, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you both had an opportunity. I did the same thing. I played, you know, high school golf on the team. Um, and I've talked about this on, on the show before, but, you know, there's just different elements that I think you get from – Emily, what you said, like playing, you know, understanding that team atmosphere, that team environment, even though it's, you know, obviously different than what it's going to be like in college, but you still kind of get a little bit of a peek into that uh, world and the dynamics of playing golf on a team. And then you've got, you know, like you're talking about the uh, Atlanta Junior Golf Association, GSGA, AJGA. So you've got all these other different organizations, which a lot of them we've talked about on here. And for those of you that have listened You know, we've mentioned those along with, you know, the Hurricane Tour and Future Champions Tour. Um, You know, there's a lot of different good organizations that provide some competitive events. But can you two kind of talk about what the difference or what what different experiences you're able to pull from that team environment from playing high school golf? And then also what you experienced, you know, playing some of those other I guess, junior circuit tournaments, you would call them uh, individually. You know, what are the big differences there? Like what can, what kinds of advice could you give parents that are listening or kids that are listening and trying to figure out like, what do I play in um, that is a going to push me? Because Emily, you mentioned something uh, you said, I learned how to win there. And I don't remember exactly what, um, what circuit you were talking about when you said that. Uh, But that's an important, important and like powerful statement so i'm kind of interested to hear more about that so like if i'm making sense like what are you guys what did you guys pull from these different experiences in those tournaments and then versus high school golf um so i guess going back what what i kind of really mean there when it when again i'm not trying to state it arrogantly at all but um no i don't yeah i don't take it that way i just i think it's a super important thing because you do need to learn how to win and and that like takes a conscious effort. Right. So how do you do that? So I guess for me, when, you know, obviously when we get, um, we get questions about like what are equipped, obviously now with the rules, there's only certain people I can talk to, but, um, kind of before the rules change, you know, I, I'd get questions about, um, you know, what kind of events should I be playing in and what I mean when it comes to, you need to be playing with somebody that's your skill level. Now, obviously it's good when, you know, those USGA qualifiers, when I was, you know, 15 and I'm sure Willie did the same thing. He would play in the U S open qualifier. And of Mm -hmm. course for me, I'm playing the U S women's open qualifier. Um, And those are obviously really good experiences just because it gives you a taste of like, okay, this is what I need to be working on. But you have to kind of, you have to take it in strides. Like you have to be able to, beat your own peer group, I should say, or beat your own 
group in order for you to be able to get better. I think it's, it's not like just diving into the deep end of a pool, right? Like you have to, you kind of have to work your way down towards the deep end of the pool and the same thing. Like you need to be able to figure out like where, what do I need to do? What part of my game do I need to get better at in order to beat this group? Okay. Now I've done that. Now let me go on to the next group. And that's kind of what I mean by like the Atlanta junior golf, you have to learn to win first at your local level and then go on to that Southeastern junior where you're, um, I guess the net is cast a little bit wider. Like, uh, you know, you're competing against kids from South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina, Alabama, Florida, um, trying to think of some other States that maybe Mississippi was in there a couple of times when we played. Um, And then obviously from there, like once you kind of start, making a name for you there, you, you kind of work your way up into the AJGAs or the USGA events. And that's when, I mean, that's how colleges really kind of pick up on that is, I mean, I, again, I hate using this, but I, I do a lot of my recruiting based now based on rankings. And if you're not, this is sad to say, but if you're not hitting like certain rankings by working your way up, like starting at Atlanta junior golf and then starting at, southeastern and then starting at AJJ like if you're not hitting those rankings by working your way up through those different um those different tours then you're not kind of hitting that ranking level that obviously schools like Vanderbilt are like if Vanderbilt's your dream school then you got to be hitting some type of ranking does that make sense yeah yeah 100 percent. I mean so give give the listeners a little bit more into that world um you know rankings is something that i've talked about on here before um i think i actually talked about it with josh brewer from georgia who you know and i've talked about it with um zambri uh, out at usc and, and conrad ray at stanford we we talked about rankings a little bit but listening to you you're making me think that maybe you're looking at some other rankings outside of just what you would say, see like on junior golf scoreboard or the AJGA Rolex rankings, you're actually looking at some different um, tours that have some pretty good clout in the junior golf space and following some of those rankings too. Is that correct? For sure. Yeah. So I'm looking, um, I mean, I'm looking at obviously when it comes to, if we are looking for some kids over in Europe, we're looking at a lot of the, um, the wagger rankings, but you know, I, sure. look, I, I constantly am looking at, um, AJGA rankings. I'm looking at, um, South Se- Southeastern junior rankings, HJGT rankings. Um, is that right? Hurricane junior. Yeah. Hurricane tour. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to think a lot of the, we've got a lot of kids right now in our Florida, um, or from Florida on, we call <laughs> They're like our little Florida squad we got going. So I'm looking at a lot of those Florida <laughs> kids right now, um, you know, looking at their rankings, checking those out. And then obviously these USGA events. But again, I hate I hate saying rankings because there could be a kid that, you know, for instance, like if I'm if I'm recruiting at the um, U.S. girls and there might I mean, there could be a kid that just, you know, happened to qualify, qualified, going to her first event and. I can, I'll be walking down the range. All of a sudden I could hear this ball strike sound that makes you just want to turn your head. Like, you know, it's mm-hmm. again, and she may not be ranked very high, but if I can tell the kids an athlete and has the potential, then obviously I'm going to show some expression, um, 
when it comes to obviously how I can communicate. But, um, you know, I hate, I hate using the word rankings, but at some point, like you gotta, you gotta be hitting some type of ranking level in order to be considered Vanderbilt, um, material, I should say, or, you know, big school material. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, it it sounds like, you know, it goes back a lot to, you know, tournament selection too, because those tournaments ultimately are going to put you in a position if you perform to obtain higher rankings, right? Yeah. You, you, if you're working and you're, if it's motivating you to win and get better, then obviously naturally you're going to progress onto the next level of the tournaments that you need to be playing in. And then, you know, it's, it just depends on how hungry are you? Like how hungry are you to get better and um, how bad do you want it? And usually those kids that want it a little bit more than the other ones are the ones that end up on top. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, I want to move a little bit away from, you know, talking about, you know, tournaments and rankings and stuff like that. Um, Just want to jump in and cover a couple different topics too, with you guys, both of you guys mentioned uh, playing multiple sports. And it's something that I've talked about quite a bit on here with some different guests. Um, You know, I think that a lot of the people that I've had on are firm believers in, you know, developing skills through uh, several different sports and then, using those transferable skills, uh, you know, with a different sport. So, you know, obviously we're specifically talking about golf here on this podcast. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts around being a multi-sport athlete? I think it's important. I mean, I think, you know, one, just being an athlete, like, you know, being able to um, just do everything or, you know, kind of be, a, um, you know, multi-sport um kind of athlete and like be able to pick up whatever you know club or uh you know sport is kind of in season I think is important and not being so caught up in like the fundamentals of you know golf for instance or whatever sport you're playing I think you know it teaches you a lot it it also just you know helps you put everything in perspective and um you know have fun while you're doing it I think you know, it's easy to get burned out on, on golf or whatever sport, um, you know, if that's all you're doing, you know, I think just yeah. having a balance, even if it's not multiple, multiple sports, you know, if it's, you know, another hobby outside of golf, I think is important. And, you know, yeah. I think you see, it, it seems like, you know, a lot of people focus a lot more on single sports now, which I think is still fine. Um, but having a balance with whatever it is outside of golf, I think is important. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, you even were talking about, you know, when you're playing baseball and you're out on the baseball field and all you can think about is, you know, when can I get to the golf course next? Um, You know, I've gotten a lot of questions from parents about, you know, like when do I specialize? Um, You know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you kind of realize that, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about this other sport more than I'm, I'm thinking about this other sport while I'm <laughs> yeah. playing another sport. Uh, maybe it is a time to kind of just gravitate that way. But, um, you know, I think that one of the discussion topics for parents that's super important is, and, and I feel like you said it this way was you made that mm-hmm. decision, right? Like in your head, it was kind of your decision where you're like, 
hey, you know, mom and dad have put me in a position where I've been able to play multiple sports and I've been able to kind of taste a few different things. And here I am, I'm starting to kind of, you know, think for myself and, you know, have my own feelings about what I enjoy and, you know, what I like the most. And, you know, I really think that I want to go all in on this golf thing. You know, so I think for parents that are listening, you know, I think that's a pretty, um, I would say it's a pretty solid approach to, you know, how you could, you know, take your child through kind of discovering what they're going to gravitate towards. I mean, you may be listening to this podcast today because your kid's super into golf and next week they may not even want to pick up a golf club anymore because they may be doing the reverse of what William's talking about. And they're on the golf course thinking about, man, I can't wait to go out and pitch in the next game that I play in. So um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I think that, you know, it kind of leads me down a path of, you know, if parents can help, provide opportunities uh, to play different sports or William, even like you said, just try different things, different hobbies, whether it be music or dance or, you know, different stuff like that um, at least gives the opportunity for that kid then to kind of assess and weigh, you know, what they like the most and what they're going to gravitate towards. Yep. I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember at all, you know, being influenced into making that decision. Uh, you know, it was completely like, you know, a hundred percent my call or, you know, my kind of request to my parents, like, can I, can I quit baseball and, you know, just play golf? And, um, yeah. at the time, I mean, that was kind of weird. Like a lot of people, um, you know, definitely did multiple sports, like at least, you know, baseball and then football. Um, and golf at that time wasn't like the cool sport like it is now. I mean, <laughs> a lot right. a lot more people play golf now i think than they used to at least at a young age like that i mean there's so many of my friends that you know thought golf was dumb or you know is nerdy or whatever um when, sure. when we were like in you know elementary school or middle school or high school and then now are like golf fanatics and so it's funny yeah. how that yeah. that changes well, you know, Knox, yeah. Martin, uh, you guys played out of the same club in Atlanta, but uh, he and I had a very similar conversation when, when we were, I had him on the podcast as well. And we were talking about that. He said something very similarly, like, you know, it wasn't really the cool thing to do, but, you know, I was over getting my head bashed in on the football yeah. field, you know, <laughs> week after week. And I wasn't the size as everybody else. So we decided to pick up yeah. golf clubs. Uh, Emily, from your seat, just kind of stick into this same topic, uh, I guess, more pertaining to like recruiting players. Um, you know, I've seen in my experience was when I was recruiting young players for a junior academy, uh, you could kind of get a sense for those players uh, that were forced down a path to specialize in a sport too early. Um, is that something that you experienced from a college recruiting standpoint? Oh yeah, uh, for sure. It's, it's always kind of tricky. Like, I think that's like the biggest um, curve, I should say, I've had to learn um, is when it comes to recruiting players. Like I, like I said, I want to recruit players that want to win and want to get better and want to, you know, want to be there. And when, obviously, when you're going, you're looking at kids, on, you know, on the range, or you're at these tournaments recruiting, like, I, I always ask myself, like, how much are these kids being influenced by their parents? Like, how many of these kids actually want to be here? You know, like, how many of these kids? Yeah. 
um, live and breathe golf. And, you know, I, I've seen it. It's, it's frustrating. Um, it's frustrating to watch a kid go through it because, you know, when these kids get to school, they're not just golfers, right? They're not, they're not just my players. They're, and Greg, the same way, like we tell our kids all the time, we love you for for who you are and not what you do. And um, obviously when they make this decision to come to Vanderbilt, like they're more than just, they're more than just players to us. And it's like, so when they're hurting or when they're frustrated, when they're frustrated with golf and they clearly just don't look like they want to do it anymore, like that bothers me because it's like, you know, did we, I want to make sure that we made the right decision for them. And if they don't want to be here, then that's, and that's where I always question, like how much are these parents, you know, influencing their decision? Are they just shoving golf down their throat? Are they just letting them kind of do their own thing? And, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful. And I know Willie is too, like, we're so thankful that both of our parents, um, you know, weren't the kind of people to shove that stuff down our throats. Like they, my parents, the same way, like Willie's, like they never, they never forced me to do anything. It was always like, I'm, I'm going to run and I'm going to try this sport. Then I'm going to go try this sport, you know? And that was something that was my choice. And that's what I just want to make sure, like when we're recruiting, like these kids that this is something that they want to do. Um, I like, that's usually the first question I asked when a, a parent and a child come on a visit, like, okay, mom, dad, you know, this might be a blunt question, but how involved are you? Like, you know, is this, is this your thing? Is this your dream for your kid to go to school and play? Or is this, is this her dream, you know? And um, obviously that's a, that's a big deal. Obviously the multi-sport thing kind of helps, but you know, I want to make sure that this is ultimately their decision. If they're, they love playing golf. And again, we have a kid on our team. She's a golf nut. Like she could tell you, what iron Tiger Woods hit in the 1997 Masters <laughs> on hole 14? Like she knows everything yeah. about golf, and that she has never played any other sport. But like she loves golf, so I don't necessarily think it. Ne- they have to be like a multi-sport athlete, but this is something that she has absolutely loved, and she still has a drive for. Um, yeah, and but that was always her yeah, decision, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um... I had a conversation. I haven't put the episode out yet, but I had a conversation with actually a listener that reached out to me, um, who is the dad of a five-year-old golfer. And he did an episode with me, which I said, hasn't been put out yet, but we were talking about this because, and I don't even know if we recorded this part of it, but it was part of the conversation that we were having. And he was talking about, he's like, Matt, like, I don't want to be that dad. That's like pushing my kid down this path. He's like, but also at the same time, like he loves it so much that like, I want him to do other things and experience other things. But at the same time, like if he's making that decision that he just wants to do this, but he's just trying to get some advice around, like, is he swinging too much? Is he, you know, should he be resting more? And like, so we were having some of those conversations, but you know, ultimately, and I would think if I'm hearing you, right, you know, that's the kind of kid that you want to recruit right Um, you can't teach grit you can't teach drive you can't teach motivation like that's just something that it doesn't matter what coach in america who you're interviewing or whatever they can't you can't teach motivation and that's that's what i you know that's specifically what i look for that's what greg looks for and i'm sure that's what all the other coaches look for in america is that you, you know they're looking for motivation and I mean, it's so easy just to, 
be able to put our kid, a kid that's got some motivation and wants to get better and put them out on our practice facilities, they're going to find a way to get better because they have the motivation to do it. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> Can you recall a time where you were meeting with a prospective student athlete and that conversation didn't go very well? Like, can you just, I mean, is there one that stands out without giving anything away about who you'd be talking about that <laughs> yeah. like yeah. could just give some advice to the, to the fam, like to the parents that are listening and kind of like how that plays out? Yeah. So we've, um, I wouldn't say we've had like that exact conversation, but, um, you know, we've, we've definitely had a tough conversation with a parent and it's not thankfully I didn't necessarily have to lead it but um it's it's a conversation obviously it's awkward but it's it's something that needs to be said you know like and it's wrong for us to sit here and tell somebody what they want to hear like you know Greg's not the kind of person to sit here and tell somebody what they want to hear he's going to tell them what they need to hear and um if they happen to not like it, then obviously Vanderbilt's not the school for them. But I'm, you know, he's not going to sugarcoat things. I'm not going to sugarcoat things. I, you know, I am who I am. I'm not. There's no gray area with me. You know, I, if yeah. I'm a, if I need to have a hard conversation, like I have to have hard, hard conversations with our girls all the time. You know, I'm not. If I'm not being upfront and real with them, then I'm not getting making them better. And if we're not having that conversation with a parent, and then we're we're not doing anything for that kid and we're not doing anything else for our program either yeah so what advice would you all give to parents just in general about I mean I know you guys aren't parents I'm not a parent either so it's kind of a tough thing to talk about right because you know I don't want any of us to sit up here and be like hey you know if I was a parent this is how I would do it because we really don't know Um, but I guess just given our experience around you know witnessing different scenarios and you know, being in the room and having some of those tough conversations. Um, I mean, what kind of advice would you all give parents just to help them navigate this junior golf journey and recruiting process with their young student athletes? I think, um, you know, just staying curious um, and just kind of never pretending to be like the, you know, the one that knows it all. Um, I think, you know, that's, you might, you know, meet people that kind of rub you the wrong way where it's like, you know, they're the, the expert in all things like junior golf. I mean, I think, um, like, like Emily's saying, I mean, like, you know, there's so many different resources and different ways to, to go about, you know, becoming the best junior golfer and, you know, potential college recruit there's not one single way. And so, you know, always kind of be curious and, um, you know, seek that advice or, you know, just different, um, you know, ways to, to help your kid, um, get to where they want to go. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, letting, letting the, the kid or the child kind of like, you know, learn that for themselves as well. Um, you know, like if they mm-hmm. want to, like Emily was saying, if they want to enter into like a USGA qualifier, you know, like a US Open local qualifier where like, you know, there's some very good like 
you know, tour pros that have to go through that stage. Let them, let them do that. I mean, sure. it might be a, a horrible, you know, result, but it's a great experience. And so, um, you know, like, I think there's just a fine line between, um, you know, providing the guidance that they need, but also, you know, maybe letting them do something that at the time, you know, is probably a, a bad idea or, you know, might result in, you know, some temporary pain, but just let it happen, you know, kind of don't always be, um, you know, there to protect them in, in every decision. Like there's, you know, there's certain situations that, you know, you might become a better person from because of that. Like the helicopter and lawnmower parent, I guess. Yeah. 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 For sure. No, I think those are great points. I mean, it's a tough thing to do. And I've talked to, you know, I've had several people on the podcast that are parents that are experts in different areas of golf. And so they can speak from experience from a parental point of view. But, you know, I, I think, William, what you're talking about with, um, you know, pr- protecting, I guess you would say, or being maybe a little bit overprotective, you know, sometimes it sounds like uh, it's a good idea to just give kids opportunities, even if there are opportunities that they're going to fail because they could be opportunities for them to learn from those failures moving forward. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And, you know, like one of my, um, I guess, worst golf experiences was like at the age of 13 I qualified for the Georgia State Amateur and you know was like the youngest I think I was the youngest player in the field and thought I was on top of the world and um it was at one of the hardest courses I've ever played um setting down creek in Atlanta and um, oh yeah I think I went out there and shot 89 the first round and um was just completely like just beside myself, you know, embarrass myself. But, you know, it was like a great, you know, high moment for me to qualify and be the youngest person in the field. And then it was just put me right back in my place. And, um, you know, like some people might avoid a situation like that and not even, you know, at that age, sign up for something like that where you're playing against, you know, like Harris English ended up winning the tournament. So you're playing against like top tier players. Um, but I mean, the experiences mm-hmm. you gain from something like that far out outweigh, you know, the the benefit of not, you know, being in a humiliating situation like that. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I know we've talked a little bit about tournaments, talked about rankings, talked about like, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries a little bit and playing in some things that maybe you're not, um, you know, equipped to take on at the current time. But I think it was... Uh, coach Ray out at Stanford that had said something to me. I don't know if you guys would agree with this or not, but um, we were talking about, you know, building tournament schedules and, you know, playing in different events uh, specific to the summer is what we were talking about. But he had a, you know, kind of a thought or methodology around how you should build that schedule being, you know, kind of three different levels of tournaments. And one of those being, you know, Emily earlier, you were talking about like, you got to learn to win at your local level. So one of those was, you know, sign up for some tournaments where when you go and play in these tournaments, you have to really tank it, you know, to not walk away with a first place medal in that, in that tournament. And then play in another segment of tournaments where, you know, you show up, if you, you know, bring your A game, it's going to be a tough competition against, you know, some of the top players that are playing, but you have a pretty good shot at ending up on top. 
And then that last one is kind of what you're talking about just now, William, where it's like, you know, pick a tournament that you just don't belong there. You show up on the putting green and you're like, like, why am I here right now, basically? And it kind of gives you three different, I guess, aspects of tournament competition to just develop some different skills in different ways. Would you guys agree with yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll just kind of give an example about one of our, our kids. Um, she qualified for the U.S. Women's Open last year, and uh, she asked me to caddy for her. And it obviously was a learning experience for her, um, but it was also a learning experience for me as well. You know, she, I guess if that, you know, I don't know if she'd ever admit, but um, it was almost kind of like one of those feelings Conrad was talking about, like why, I, obviously this is where I want to be, but whoa, <laughs> this is a big deal. Like I'm yeah. playing in the U.S. Women's Open. Um but she learned so much from playing in that event. And then when she, she almost was able to like translate that into other tournaments that I guess I hate using this, but like that are on her level now, such as um, college golf tournaments mm-hmm. or obviously amateur golf tournaments. Like she learned so much from playing in that U S women's open, even though she didn't make the cut um, that she was able to trans transfer into playing college golf. And she ended up winning her first, college um event back in the fall it's not her first one but it was uh her the first event or our fall she ended up winning the tournament by i don't i mean i want to say it was like five six seven shots because she just it was something that learning experience from playing in the open she was able to like go okay this is what i need to work on she worked on it all summer and then came out guns hot you know and in, in the fall and played yeah um probably the best golf i've ever seen anybody play uh, a collegiate player play it was it was pretty cool to watch um but yeah like playing in those events and like he was saying like don't be afraid to play an event and possibly feel a little humiliated it's it's the experience it's the most um that's what you're going to get out of it is obviously the experience of playing in it so but i think in the same vein too I mean, yeah playing in the little local tournaments is equally as important because you know there's a lot of people that I played with in high school that skipped, you know, high school golf and all the little local like club tournaments that, you know, we would play in just for fun. And I mean, some of my best memories are from tournaments like that. And like, it's just a lot of fun and it kind of keeps you, um, you know, like grounded, grounded. And also just, you know, you, you realize why you like what you're doing. I mean, you just have a ton of fun. Um, even though it might not be yeah. like in terms of rankings or, um, you know, notoriety might not be the best, but it's, it's just, you know, that's why you do it. Cause you like it and it's fun. Sure. Yeah. And that's what golf should be. Right. I mean, golf is a fun game. It's a tough game, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's a, it should be a fun game. Um, so yeah, I think the more that we can, uh, you know, put ourselves in positions to continue to make the game fun. And the more that, you know, you parents that are listening can put your kids in an opportunity to, you know, have fun with the game, you know, the more that they're going to continue to enjoy it. And I mean, you know, those tournaments that you're talking about, you know, you go out there and you're having fun, which means you're playing with less pressure, which probably helps you work on, you know, being in that state of mind. Right. So that maybe when you go to a tournament that is on a higher stage, that's a tougher environment to be in, 
you can maybe just kind of reach back into that, those past experiences to, you know, try to put yourself back in that same frame of mind because, you know, the mental part of the game is such a huge oh, piece yeah, of for it, sure. right? Yeah. I mean, especially if you want to go professional too, that's, again, that's a long way down the road for, um, but maybe it isn't for some of, um, some of your listeners. And obviously if that's their child's goal is to play professionally, that like when they say it really, that's, that's a big deal. Like it is, such a big deal having the mental like you got to be your own best friend out there and you got to really enjoy what you're doing because if you don't then it, it becomes a job quickly so yeah yeah so how do you how do you do that I mean outside of kind of what we're talking about with you know playing in some different tournaments and keeping it fun and stuff like that I mean what are some things that you guys have experienced or um, that you work with players on, you know, just different practices to be able to build that skill set of just the mental game? Um, I would say that we, you know, Greg and I both like to sit down with our kids individually and kind of talk. We, I like, if you don't communicate as, I mean, you have to communicate with somebody. Um, you know, that's another thing too, is making, making sure that you have, have some people in your box, so to speak, that you can communicate with and be open about. And so, you know, Greg and I like to sit down with our kids and just kind of talk through some things. And we want them to just be very raw, like tell us what you're feeling, telling us how you're feeling. So we obviously like we have those, you know, conversations that can be a little deep. We we want to know what's going on. So that way, when it does come time in a golf tournament, we can us as coaches can kind of look back and go, okay, this is what we talked about at X conversation. And this is how we can hand, uh, remind them of it at a golf tournament. Um, but other than that, like on, you know, some of the days, mostly Wednesdays and Fridays, um, we usually like to play. And a lot of the stuff, like we're playing fun games on the golf course. It's uh, we'll set out like little pink flags in the golf course and hit different shots from each flag sometimes we'll play a par three course it's just something to switch it up and not just be so regimented like going out and playing playing from you know your normal set of tees it might be going switching up and playing from the red tees it might be one one of the practices that we did this spring was um we played alternate shot but instead of having one ball in play we played two balls so if willie and i were partners I'd hit his ball, he'd hit my ball, and then we'd keep going back and forth. You know, just something something just okay. totally different, just to switch it up and um, not just be so regimented all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, it gives the players an opportunity to, you know, experience the golf course from different areas to, you know, work on that creative piece of the game, which obviously makes you more comfortable with hitting different types of shots and being able to execute those, which then ultimately, you know, leads to decreasing some of that pressure, right? When you're actually in a situation on the golf course and you've hit that shot or been in that situation, you know, multiple times already, and you can kind of pull from For that sure, experience. That and just staying in the moment, you know, like if you're coming down the stretch and you're winning a golf tournament, you, you're able to rely back on those practices that we've talked about where you're just, you're going out and having fun and being in the moment. Like, okay, how, what do I need to do in order to hit the, this shot? And then once I hit this shot, I'm going to put my club in my bag, pick it up, go walk and then find that ball. And then pick, you know what I'm saying? Like literally just go find it and hit it again. Yeah. Um, that's what we yeah. tell our girls all the time. They're probably so sick and tired of us saying that, but like, 
literally just go find the golf ball and hit it again and make it as simple as that. That's just, that's what makes the whole game fun. That's why we all kind of got started in it in the first place. And I mean, if, if you're not in golf yep. for the love of the challenge, then golf is definitely not your sport because if you don't like a challenge then it's definitely, definitely not where you need to be. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you make it sound so simple. Yeah. I'm just going to do that next week when I go out and play. <laughs> Just going to hit it and find it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Willie, anything you would add to that in terms of just like the mental side of the game or, you know, how it relates um, even in different areas for you? I know you're not, you know, in golf right now from a career standpoint, but I mean, any skill development there um, that's translated to other areas of your life? Um, you know, I think just the uh, talking earlier about the the work ethic, I think, you know, that drive to get better and just kind of always having, um, you know, a, a type A personality and, you know, wanting to constantly improve and, um, you know, excel. I think that carries over to whatever you end up doing, you know, outside of golf. And I think, um, you know, that that skill set um, is definitely something that doesn't go to waste. So, um you know, it, it yeah. never uh, goes unused. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great thing to develop. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I want to move towards wrapping up. I want to be conscious of your guys' time. But um, obviously, you all love the game of golf. Um, you both love to play it. You've played it at a high level. Uh, and you play it together, I assume, as much as you can, um, you know, with your schedules right now. What are some of your best golf memories together? <laughs> uh, let's see. I was like, when we were in college, we, so I guess a little side note, we started dating our senior year of high school and um, okay. we would, obviously we, we stuck together through the, we're the long distance couple, I guess you want to call it. We, we did long distance for <laughs> six years. Mm-hmm. yeah so when I was at Georgia he was at Arkansas we did long distance then and um so I guess some of my favorite golf memories were going out um to see him out in Fayetteville and playing playing golf out there with him and some of his boys uh shout out to the men's Arkansas team but <laughs> we uh you know we yeah. go out and play and then um go watch a football game afterwards but just enjoying that time with each other on the golf course was um, probably some of my best experiences. Not that playing with you now is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, I mean, we've done a lot of, uh, you know, good golf, uh, trips. I'm sure many more to come, but, um, we went, uh, on actually a, speaking of, you know, golf in the business world, you know, somebody took me and brought Emily as a guest to play at, um, this, this awesome course in Arkansas called the Elotion Club and had a really, really fun experience there. And then Emily was recruiting at um, the uh, U.S. girls, US girls Junior in, uh, at Poppy, Poppy Hills. Hills. Yeah. And so we went out there and oh, played yeah. all the Pebble Beach courses. So, I mean, that's just a, it's obviously uh, an added benefit. You know, we, um, you know, play golf together whenever we get a fun destinations like that. So it's fun being able to do that together. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, all right. Well, like I said, I want to move towards wrapping up, but something that I've been 
doing the last couple months um, is just giving the guests an opportunity to um, throw a couple questions at me towards the end of the episode. So obviously I didn't prepare you for anything, um, but if there's anything that just through our discussion, if you can think back or just anything, you know, about me or golf related, anything like that, that you guys are curious about. Um, you got any questions that you want to yeah, throw my way? Uh, well, this is not really golf related, but when are you and Shannon going to come up and hang out with us in Nashville? <laughs> ah, I would love to come up there. Um, hopefully soon. If get we can get, the- uh, get through all this COVID-19 <laughs> yeah. stuff. I know That would be nice. Um, I've got another aunt and uncle that are up in, uh, yeah, Hendersonville. So a little North, um, old Hickory, I think is the yeah. lake that's up there. Um, so they've been saying the same thing. Hey, when are you guys coming back up? When we were in Atlanta, um, it was an easy drive. You know, we just popped up there, um, a couple weekends, you know, every couple months or so. And, uh, but I'd love to come up there. So I guess, we're kind of it's kind of contingent on what happens with this whole uh, COVID nineteen, yeah. but let's uh, let's figure that out yeah. if we can for sure. And then I I've enjoyed following along, you know, all your, um, you know, just the the different challenges you've done with, um, you know, setting goals in terms of, you know, workouts and and different kind of priorities. I guess you know, just curious, like the biggest, you know takeaway or life learning lesson that you've had from doing that? Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I started, uh, and for those of you that I guess that are listening that are like, Oh, what the heck's he talking about? I've, I'm doing this, uh, let's see in September, I made a decision to, um, you know, kind of take this journey called it's called live hard. Uh, there's a guy that I follow named Andy Priscilla that uh, put this program together and it's four different phases. Um, the first phase I did from September to November, um, which is called 75 hard. So a bunch of different components there, a couple different workouts a day, um, drinking a gallon of water a day, reading 10 pages of a book, no alcohol. Um, what else was there? Taking a progress picture of myself, following a diet. So those types of things, um, sticking to them. And the reason that I did it was because, uh, I just found for myself that, you know, I was kind of getting lazy in some different areas of my life. And, you know, I wanted to create an opportunity to develop more discipline for myself, uh, which is what this thing's all about. It sounds like a super physical challenge, which it is, you know, there is a big physical component, but it's a big mental challenge also. So I would say the biggest takeaway from me, uh, or for me was, just that we, we use so little of our, uh, like actual ability, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I think that, I think we have to continue to find new ways to push ourselves. I think, you know, for all of us on the line, like, you know, we're obviously in, in, in our careers now, but I mean, you know, growing up and you're playing different sports and you're kind of running to different activities. A lot of that stuff I feel like is built in. And, you know, even when you go to college, you know, you've, got the academic component, the athletic component. Um, a lot of that stuff is built in for you, but you know, you've gone into the real world and it's like, well, nobody's going to make you do anything. Nobody's going to tell you to do anything. Um, so I kind of found myself, you know, let some of those habits and things mm-hmm. slip. And so I, I think that, I don't know, it's just an opportunity for me to, 
you know, kind of reset myself and kind of change my mentality a lot. Um, I found that, and I think most people would probably agree if they did something similar, we waste a lot of time doing mindless things that don't really map mm-hmm. to anything like, you know, watching TV or just <laughs> sitting around, you know, scrolling through the phone, like just different stuff like that. So I don't know. It helped me prioritize and kind of look at, you know, some goals that I wanted to accomplish and then use this as a tool to help me be more productive. Yeah. So I think that answers your question. It's kind of a long winded answer. No, I, I like that. It's I think that's very inspiring. Uh, I think it's great because, you know, Thanks. obviously I think that's another important thing is like, you know, we've always, Emily and I have been so goal focused and it's easy to let that slip when you finish, you know, with whatever you would focus so long, you know, in terms of setting goals and, um, it's, it's just mm-hmm. important no matter what you're doing to always kind of reassess and reset goals. So, yeah. 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 I agree. And it's definitely helping. And you saying that makes me think too, even just with my own golf game, I, I feel like I got into a place over the past couple of years where, you know, I grew up playing and I, I don't know if you guys were similar in this, but I grew up playing a lot. Like I didn't really have like an instructor. Like, I mean, I, I did sort of, but it, it was, it wasn't like, I wasn't super technical as a young player. And then I felt like, you know, when I was at the, in the academy world, I learned a lot of technical information. And so I applied some of it and some of it was really good and I made some good changes, but then I almost kind of got into a place where I was being too technical. And so now I'm in a position where like the last like three weeks that I've been playing, like I just go play and I've started to notice, like I'm just learning how to score again. Even when like, I'm, I'm hitting like 40% of fairways right now, which is bad. (laughs) Right. But I'm somehow putting like a score up. And so it's kind of interesting just to see, you know, that you can approach it in different ways. And I don't know about you, Emily, but I mean, I, I see, pl- I've seen a lot of young players just get so technical that they forget how to play oh, golf. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. That's where we literally just go say, go find it and hit it again. <laughs> just, just go play. Yep. yep. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, uh, I guess life and this golf game and, you know, everything's just a continuous, you know, work in progress, you know, try to get a little bit better for every sure. day. So, um, yeah, that's all we can do, right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Good deal. Well, guys, um, I've had a blast. I really appreciate you guys doing this with me. I think it's been fun. I think that, uh, you know, kind of tapping into both of your guys' experience um, in golf and life and career, um, you know, has really helped. And, you know, I think will give this audience, you know, some good information to kind of chew on. So sure. I appreciate Thanks it. Yeah. Thanks we a lot. have enjoyed it. And it's been good to catch up with you all. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks again, Matt. And um, like I said, whenever whenever this COVID thing starts to go away, y'all y'all plan a trip with us. All right. All right. Sounds good. Well, guys, that wraps up episode thirty-five of Junior Golf Keys this week with our guests William and Emily Mason. Um, had a really good time talking with them. They've obviously got a lot of really good experience, um, you know, from a playing perspective. Uh, Emily, from a coaching perspective too, uh, being in the you know thick of it at a really 
you know, strong program at Vanderbilt. Um, so really good to hear from both of them. Guys, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in. As I ask um, every week, if you guys took any value out of this episode, please share it. Please leave a review. Also, make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss out on some of the exciting guests that I've got coming up. And I hope you join me next week for another episode of Junior Golf Keys.